We represent you. Shortside again, Tupou away, Tedesco pulled it in, this time it's Kiri in support. We feel you by your presence. Via Rooster. Joseph Manu, a try that only Manu could score. Go, go! Well, Roosters fans, welcome to another week of Roosters Radio. Silky, no bells today, and we'll miss her. But over the weekend, some sad news for the rugby league world. One of our greats, one of the first four immortals, a man that played in our club as well, and a synonymous legend at the Manly Warringah Seagulls, uh, passed away. We all know, anyone that doesn't know Bob Fulton in rugby league doesn't know rugby league. He was an icon of our game. Uh, when I was a kid, Silky, and you were trolling the sidelines as a ball boy, Bob was there, and on behalf of Roosters Radio and uh, the entire rugby league community, our full condolences to the Fulton family. Yeah, that's right, Bush. Another legend of the game passes. Bob Fulton played 56 games for the Chooks between 1977 and 79. In fact, he was captain coach in 1979 and also coached the club between 1980 to 82. He was before my time, Bush, but uh, all the experts say that you know, during those early years of the 70s, he was the number one centre in the game. Yeah, mate, I used to knock around the dressing rooms in the uh, early 80s, especially when we played the grand final against the Bulldogs. My grandfather was uh, on the board and he used to take me up there. And Bobby Fulton, uh, you know, was always very, just a really, you know, he was an iconic sort of a guy, you know what I mean? And um, actually, Bob Fulton also wore a fur coat, I remember, to the games like Jack Gibson did yeah, in, right. in the grand final. So it's funny little things that you just remember about someone, I remember that, and uh you know, just the way he spoke. And, you know, we want to look at old footage of how he played. And, you know, you look at our sister show, the Matty Johns show, talking about him so highly last night. And, you know, Matty Johns talking about Malcolm really and him being two guys that you just couldn't get past. But, uh, you know, very, very sad uh, news for both the Roosters and, and in particular Manly, where he was a legend. And it was really nice to say just respect and, uh, you know, much respect goes out. And the way they played yesterday, they played in his honour. And uh, condolences to the Fulton family. Now, Silky, changing gears. Uh, there was a game on Saturday night at the Sydney Cricket Ground. We were both there. We were in the captain's club. Uh, we had the pleasure of interviewing Billy Smith, which was my highlight for the evening. Um, you know, in, in the words of Coach Robinson, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. And, you know, you saw he was unhappy in the press conference. You've got your thoughts? Yeah, I do, Bush. Look, we went there expecting to win. Um, there's a lot of build-up to that game. Obviously, celebrate Jake Week. And uh, it was great to see prior to the kickoff. The uh, guard of honour for Jake. Yep. I thought it was, a, it was a great touch. And you're right, we uh, we got to interview uh, the injured Billy Smith, who looks like he'll be back in a couple of weeks. But um, highlights are hard to find. I think the highlight for me was interviewing Sid Tapia, the graffiti artist, who was uh, uh, we got the privilege to interview up there in the captain's club. Yeah. Um, look, it was a tough game to watch. It was a bludger of a game, to be honest. I think Coach Robinson said that in the press conference. Uh, some of the words that have been used, it was uh, frustration. I can tell you I was extremely frustrated watching it. The better team won. Let's uh, let's call a spade a spade. You know, we only completed at 73%. Penalties were 10-5 against us. Our discipline was poor. You know, we're going to talk about um, some of the high shots and the like. But, look, there's some, some really bad calls went our way. And, um, unfortunately, we didn't get the two points. But, having said that, the better side won. Yeah, Silky, it was an ugly night of football uh, for any Roosters fan to watch. 
you know, sometimes you have those nights. I think there was a fair bit of build-up. Um, you know, you could come up with anything you want to try and excuse it. But I think the players themselves know that it wasn't their game, uh, their normal game. I think, you know, uh, it, was, it was reported by a few of the players that they probably played with a bit of emotion, you know, for Friendy. And, and you know, they'll they'll bounce back pretty quickly. They're, uh, you know, they're champions and they'll show what champions do and they bounce back. Three players on report. Joey Manu, uh, of course, Victor Radley and Angus Crichton. I know as we record here at the moment, Joey Manu has pled guilty. Uh, he got fined to be okay to play. Victor Radley has pled guilty to the two charges, but he's looking for a downgrade of the grade two, the more serious charge. And uh, Angus Crichton will be fronting up there on Tuesday night to plead not guilty. So watch this space. I dare say it'll be a long night up there at the uh, Rugby League Judiciary. There's, I think there's like 15 players or something that have to front. Well, so Let's um, just talk about Angus for a second. I mean, you all we all saw the replay. We've seen what's happened. It looked really hard for him to actually, I mean, by the time, you know, Roosters fans get this, he may have been to the judiciary, but it was really hard for him to pull out. He was committed to to that tackle, um, you know, it wasn't high and, you know, it, momentum, it's, it's a really tough one, this one. We know they're trying to protect the players, so look... Is it changing the game? Well, there's better experts out there than us. Of course. Have, and we've got opinions like everyone well, I'm else. I'm just talking about from the fans' behalf. We yeah, represent I the mean, fans. well... What do you think? You're a fan? I just think that and you're an expert, got, I just think they've gone about it the wrong way trying to make this change dramatically. Yeah, well I just think the way they've gone about it by way of implementing these changes so drastically um, in such a short period of time I just think it's it's hard for the players. You look at Victor Radley's head when he was on report for that kind of charge down. He he was like I've done nothing wrong. Like there was actually like he was confused. He, gen- genuine. he was genuinely yeah. saying what, what am I getting what am I getting 10 in the bin for? That was the catalyst for, for what happened to his game yeah. from there on forward. Uh, so there's a lot of frustration from the from the players. I, I watched uh, Angus Crichton's interview on Matty Johns last night. And he was much in the same vein. So yeah. there's – I don't know how to fix it. I mean, we talk, we've talked on this show about rewarding players, you know, going around the legs on one-on-one. But there was a, uh, a couple of penalties there, I'm pretty sure, the last week where one of the players did go around the legs and they don't get the opportunity to hold them down so the the defence can get set. Yep. They've got to do something like that as well because otherwise there's no reward for, for tackling a one-on-one around the legs. So there's there's issues there. As I said, mate, we are fans of the game, but at the moment it's, it's making it really hard to watch. I've got to say it's very stop-start and that was across the whole weekend, I'm afraid. Yeah, it is across the whole weekend and that's what I think the fans are confused by. I think I'll get it right. I like where they're going with trying to protect the head. I think everyone does. And I think you asked Friendy last week uh, that exact question about reward for uh, for effort being low tackling. And Friendy's response I thought was brilliant. He said, look, yeah, sure, but we would have trained for that in the yep. off-season. Yep. And I think you're right. The way that it's been bored in, it's like slamming the brakes on a vehicle on a highway. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just come Good to analogy. a sudden halt. And all of a sudden, what was normally the game? And as you said, I watched Matty Johns last night and, and saw Angus being interviewed. Thought he did a great account of himself, and he said it's it it feels strange. It feels different. It's not the game that we're used to. And toughness is in our game now. No one wants to see anyone get bashed around the head. We've ironically talked to Jake Friend about his retirement from concussion, yeah. from head knocks. So we don't want to see great players like him retired early. They've got to get the balance right. They will. They'll do it. Um, but I just hope it doesn't come at the expense of the game itself in such a short term. Maybe there's taking that hard line approach that the players will catch up to the rules.
Well, time will tell, Bush, and we'll have to just watch this space. But look, let's talk about a couple of the positives. What were out the, of the positives? Game. Let's All right, get there. so there was two positives for mine. The first one being Joseph Swali's debut. I thought he did exceptionally well playing down that left-hand side. Nearly scored a couple of tries. It was nice he to had see some his good family touches. and friends too. Yeah, so uh, well done, Joseph. 17 years old, making his debut. Uh, you know, that's something he'll remember for the rest of his life. Yes. And I thought Robbo's um, speech at the end of the game where he presented Friendy with the uh, the jumper. The jumper. The golden era. So um, I thought there was some uh, some really fond words uh, that Robbo shared there in front of whoever was left at the uh, at the end of the match. There, there was plenty of people leaving with 15 to go. Bush, I ought to tell you that. But for the positives for mine was obviously Suwali's debut and uh, Robbo's kind words at the end of the match. Yeah, and I think you could almost see Coach Robinson very thoughtful. He's a deep thinker. He's a strategic thinker, and he's very thoughtful when he talks. And I think that you know he has probably has the best press conference in rugby league. He's so measured. I wish we were measured on this show. It'd be so much less words. But um, <laughs> he's he's just he's great. And you know what? You can see how much Jake means to him and to his coaching. And it was a great touch for Jake to be on the field with his family. And it was a highlight. Highlight for me, Silky, was up in the captain's club. It was a small crowd this time. Uh, Don't forget, fans, if you want to get your team to team build, reward your staff, take your mates, Take your family. Bring up a couple little roosters. You know, young, I took I took my family. Yeah, young Casey Silk up there did the uh, halftime business card draw, and she loved it. Yeah. Water polo star of the future, by the way, team. Um, no, it was it was a highlight was interviewing Billy Smith. I thought he was really refreshing. Yeah, um, he's just a, a really really uh, you know stable young man. He's a strapping young lad. He's yeah. a, he's a big boy. He's he? a big boy, and you know, for roosters fans out there, we stood next to him and. You know, they, you just think to yourself, my God, I mean, you know, the Steggles chicken is working, of course, that high-protein diet, but I tell you what, they train the house down. He reckons he's back in a couple of weeks. I'm just as excited about that because he's only a couple of games in front of Joseph Sawali, and, and that whole, you know, right and left edge will be, uh, you know, stronger for his presence. Yeah, there's definitely a changing of the guard at the club. You asked the question, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. I think you can sense it a little bit too, like... You know, there's a lot more young heads yes. in, in the playing group, which is good. It's refreshing. I don't want to use the uh, the words "we're going through a building stage" or what do they say? No, we're going through a transition. And you've been you've been yeah. there yeah. when you transitioned from being a ball boy into a in a man. That's right. And you know, when you went through the transition, we supported you. And anyone out there going through any transitions in life, and you know, there's plenty of people doing it, jobs and you know, age groups and you know, changing different things. You just got to get on with it. You're on Roosters Radio. We're back right after this. <laughs> Welcome back to Roosters Radio. Now, Bush, round 14, Saturday the 12th of June. That's the June long weekend. Roosters are taking on the Titans. They're the early game on Saturday afternoon. And, Bush, we're taking the game up to East, in particular up to Arties. Yeah, mate, we've got some past and present players. There'll be four pints, pints for the price of schooners, live music, some big prizes, big giveaways. And uh, we're going to get some Roosters legends up there, Silky, and it'll be a nice little afternoon of footy. And if you get there early enough, uh, I do know there's a flight terminal. And uh, at least a couple of TAB TV, so you can... Yeah, you can have a bet. Yeah, you can just enjoy yourself, or you can sneak downstairs and, uh, you know, just enjoy the entertainment complex that that great club is. Well, look, I know there's a few players from the late 80s. I know Dave Truella, Trevor Patterson, I believe Brad Tessman. Uh, yeah. Just a couple of notables. Yeah. To, 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 but I believe um, we may even have a couple of our injured players turning up also. So some great opportunities to get some photos. Uh, get some autographs. We're going to do a bit of trivia uh, up there as well. Bush got a few giveaways, a couple of Artie's caps, a couple of stubby holders and, and the likes. So uh, we want to get a good crowd. I mean, where else would you want to be on a Saturday afternoon? And 49% off beers. Wow. 
Well, well, mate. Up until full time. Yes, of course. And, you know, you've only got to contact the Leeds Club. There's flyers out there. It is the official venue for away games up at Easts. And don't forget, they've got the beautiful new Olive and Oak, Silky. We were at the pleasure of the opening yeah, of it. feed. UMC'd and hosted it and uh, while well, I ate your steak. And I've got to tell you, the feed was unbelievable. And, you know, we, we talked about this with Paul Grizanka, who's uh, up there running the show. Mate, they've put a lot of effort, energy and money into a beautiful restaurant and a great experience for their members and guests. So why don't you head on up to East, join us from 2pm Saturday, June 12th. We'll be kicking off about an hour prior to the main game. Uh, It's an afternoon no Roosters fans should miss. You're on Roosters Radio with Silky and Bush. Well, Roosters fans, welcome back to Roosters Radio. And our next guest, well, he's a club legend. We had an interview with him last year and it was such a popular show. We've decided to get him back. It's the one and only Ian Schubert. Shuey, welcome to Roosters Radio. Thanks, mate. Nice to see you deprived of decent content. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I suppose the conversation we're going to have is, is touched with a bit of sadness. We're going to have a chat about a few former players uh, who have recently passed in Bunny Riley and Bob Fulton, who you had a, a great deal to do with. But before we do that, I want to talk about this week's match and in particular Indigenous Round. Uh, you know, you played with arguably our greatest Indigenous footballer, but I'm sure there's a couple others. Yeah, most certainly Arthur is uh, at the top of the tree in that regard, in my view. Uh, there'd be a few blokes that might uh, want to put someone else up there with him, but he most certainly was for mine at the top of the tree. But I came through an era, be- era before when, in the late 70s when Kevin Stevens was playing and Greg Townsend was one of my favourites. Yep. He was skinnier than any other bloke I'd ever seen, but uh, was as tough as nails. And, you know, there's been... Lots and lots of them come through this club, particularly over the years, and uh, even when Ricky Walford was here. Yep. Um, it, uh, they were great times and some really good players that have come through. But uh, I like the round itself. I think it's a great celebration. And not that we need anything to celebrate with Rugby League, but I like to see the the showpieces. It would be nice if we had 26 of them, one each week. Well, it's a lot of different jumpers, that isn't it? <laughs> good point. <laughs> think of the merchandise. Yeah. <laughs> Greg Town's an interesting one. We see him around the area quite a fair bit. Tell me a bit about his style of football. Well, uh, there wasn't a lot to GT. Yeah. He was just safe and solid. Uh, he was definitely no no monster, and uh, but he, he could take the high ball and he could kick, and uh, he was solid at the back. So he was just handy to have. You knew if they got through, there's a fair chance they won't score. It, um, but that was the job of a fullback then, and uh, it wasn't so much like Teddy plays now. He's almost a ball player as well as a fullback. So, uh, but that wasn't the role of the fullback in those days. I like it the way it is now. I yep. think it's fantastic. And obviously, we've got to have a chat about Artie because he's such a legend of this club. What was special about him when it came purely to football? I think the the fact that he could do anything on the field pretty much when he wanted to. He was very hard to stop. Not many blokes could manage him. Um, because we grew up in the area, first tackle in was low and the second over the top, he often got a ball we'll, away. We'll talk about that later. I'm sure we will. <laughs> and everyone else is. Yeah. Um, but the reality of that is that was they were good times and the good ball players were held in such high regard uh, that it, to a certain degree, changed the game to somewhat what we've evolved into now, which is first man in high, wrap the ball up and second or third man in for the legs and try and get them on the ground and then on their back. But that was one of his strengths. He uh, incredible power through his legs and his, and his big butt. But um, trying to put him down was just a challenge. And uh, if he could stay up, there's a fair chance those big arms of his would put a ball out. It was a drop off or throw a wide ball to Russell Fairfax running down the wing. It was uh, he had the full bag of tricks. 
So the elephant in the room, Shuey, the current state of affairs. Everyone's got an opinion on it. What's yours? Look, I'm I'm in two camps. Uh, I'm most certainly in favour of um, protecting the players, particularly around the head. Um, if you cop a shot with the shoulder in the ribs and it hurts, well, that that's a different thing to uh, copping a forearm or an elbow to the head. And uh, but there's accidents that happen in the game as well. And look, it's we've made the job of refereeing very difficult. That's one of the issues. And that's by accident. We, we try not to do that. And, um, and it is a challenge for them. And, uh, we went to two referees for a number of years and now we're back to one referee and increased the degree of difficulty. So I think there's a certain adjustment for them as well. And I'm not talking on behalf of them or the referees yeah. boss, but I think that, um, they probably could have done with a good off season of a new, um, uh, version of the rules. Or um, shall we say a new rule, some somewhat? Yeah. But as much as that, the players and the coaches, you know, you train the players do. No, I don't. But the players train so intently now in exactness. When they hit, they got a hit zone of thirty or forty centimeters, and they train every off season, every night of the week for that to lower that by thirty or forty centimeters in a week or two. There's not going to be reacted upon perfectly for a week or two. Some teams have done it reasonably well, but even they will fall out of practice and the new rules with the uh, restart of making players a little bit more fatigued and that's when the loose arms come yep. in. But if it's fatigue and a loose arm, it's normally just a grab rather mm-hmm. than a swing. That normally happens when you're in tight and you've got plenty of <laughs> plenty of aggression in you. When you, you, know, you tend not to have aggression in you when you're tired, but it's just careless. So if we go back to last week's match, um, I mean, I was out here. It was it was it was really frustrating to watch. I mean, as an old footballer from the from the era where you know high shots were part of the game, what what did you think? Look, some of the players play a lot tougher than others, and mm-hmm. other players um, play in regard to just getting the job done. Um, there's a spot for those players, like Bunny Rowley was one of our boys who was. Uh, Needed to belt someone, Bunny would do it for you, yep. or Kevin Stevens, or um, or Kenny Jones. But the reality is that those days are gone, and uh, we're more conscious across the game and across society about uh, protecting athletes and uh, their longer-term careers, but more importantly, their post-career. And I think we've just got to adjust to that as well. I you look at it was disappointing to see that game evolve as it did. But then again, that was always going to be a little bit of that case early on with the, the new interpretation of the rules. The same rules, they're just interpreted differently. And there was always going to be an adjustment. And that was week two. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking by week six or eight, it'll be different altogether. But um, I'd like to think if they keep the, the way it is now, the first half a dozen games next year, you won't see the same. So you're optimistic that we'll, it'll sort itself out? Absolutely. And, um, you know, the, because the players and the coaches will have a good long off-season to prepare for it. I'd be disappointed if we had another rule change in March or April next year that negated all that good work they've done in the off-season. And then it leads me to ask you, the suspensions that were handed down last night to a couple of our players, justified? Um the consistency of the judiciary is always uh, a you talking were on point. It, weren't you? Well, I I wasn't actually on it. I used to just run it for the yep. for the NRL, and uh, I, the concept of having ex players on it is a godsend. But the players have got to remember the two that they're there because they played rugby league and they understand. 
They know if you got a bloke on the chin yeah. or whether it was an accident or high, but sometimes they get caught up in the legal mumbo-jumbo that goes in and they need to be reminded, I think, by the, the chairman of the judiciary that, boys, you're here because you you know what went on. Forget the legal side of it. Um, that's for him to deal with. And, oh, look, I, I thought um, the consistency of um, the penalties that have been going on, they probably landed where they should have done. Um, it was a shame that they probably could have not gone in if it had have just been dealt with on the field. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people would have been happy with that until the players get used to it. Uh, it's always the case, you know, a new interpretation or a new rule and someone's going to be penalised severely for it. When Comer's decided to crack down on um, on foul play when he was appointed uh, the judiciary chairman, Bobby Cooper got 18 months and Les yeah, Boyd got yeah. that. Like, well, is that an overreaction? Yeah. I think I remember Bobby saying it may have been. <laughs> so then let me ask and then we'll move on because everyone's talking about it. Milking. I mean, if that ever happened in your day, God help us. But your, your Mate, thoughts on that? Because it's happening. We've seen it. I was brought up on a dairy farm. <laughs> I've, I've done enough milking. Thanks very much. Um, look, it, it's it was actually quite interesting when I was I was watching one of those TV shows um, the other night, and uh, it was Graham, the pommy guy, who was uh, James, Graham, James yeah. Graham, talked about a similar thing happened in England, and the players actually got together with the coaches, and they they brought everyone together and said, look. We're going to stop this. This is just no good for anybody. And it had a dramatic effect in a positive way. And maybe our guys need to pull a get together. And, uh, it's, it's not as shunned amongst the group for you to be a milker as it should be because it's not a good part of the game. It's a, it's a contact, athletic, um, brutal man sport. Uh, laying down when you didn't get hit is not really a part of that same ethos. Yeah. I have to agree. All right, mate. Moving on. Um, I started the interview by touching on uh, a couple of former players and mentors, I dare say, that you, you've had the, the joy of playing alongside. We'll, we'll start with Bunny Riley. Um, Bunny was laid to rest a couple of weeks ago um, out there at um, Botany, uh, a local junior. Uh, I know that I've, I've read articles where Jack used to say he was one of the first blokes he picked. Can you share a couple of stories about the great Bunny Riley? Yeah. Um, when I first came down, I was, I was only a kid when I came down uh, from Warhope and um, Bunny was most certainly one of the senior players at the time and uh, it didn't take me long to realise why they called him the Axe uh, the first couple of games. He didn't do it often, but he did it when it needed to be done. He would just cut a bloke in half. It was um, absolutely amazing. He probably wasn't the fittest player, but he was always around and a little bit like Radley and I know there's been some comparisons. And But Bunny' hit zone was a little lower than Rad's and... Uh, I can't recall Bunny ever getting sent. Uh, he may have, but um, he was just a very, very good technique tackler. And uh, when he hit him, they they stayed hit. And uh, as very similar to Victor, but um, look, he'll get his hits on right, and it'll be fine. But uh, and those comparisons with Bunny will probably carry on. But he was a champion fella off the field as well. Very quiet, yeah, family man. Yep. Uh, worked at the club for a lot, a lot of years. And uh, he's part of the furniture. It's very sad to see him go. Is it true that he played in the, the 75 grand final carrying a pretty bad injury? Yeah, he had something broken. I yeah. can't remember what it is. And uh, I think he came on late in the game. Yeah. Gibbo wanted to get him get him a start in the grand final. And fortunately, we're, we'd had a bit of a lead. And uh, so he got his start, which was great. Now, moving on, Bob Fulton obviously uh, passed away uh, on last Sunday afternoon. A man that you played with and was obviously coached by, 
Um, you know, tell us a bit about Bozo, the man that, that you knew. Yeah, well, when Bozo came over, he was he was heading towards being an immortal, and uh, the word immortal amuses me. But uh, I remember one of the first games when he came over. That the great the awe about Bozo was uh, he could do pretty much anything, like Arthur, but he was doing it out wide when Arthur was doing it in tight. And uh, I remember one of the games, I can't remember where it was, and he and he broke through and I was backing up and he threw a ball to me and, and it hit me around the knees because the fullback was coming at him 100 miles an hour and, and uh, I dropped it. And I thought it was the strangest thing because normally when Bozo threw you a pass, it was perfect. So I remember it like it was just, as, I was astounded that he didn't throw a perfect pass to me. But looking back on it, the reality was I should have caught it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, before my time, and probably a lot of the people hear this podcast before their time, a centre? Bozo? Yeah. Um, he he played equally good in a number of games at 5'8 or centre. Yep. It was depending on who else was around him. Um, Bozo would move to centre if we, ne- we had a 5'8 that was uh, that was he needed to be in the side somewhere, and he could play equally well at 5'8. He, he had just had a knack to bob up whenever he was needed, Um He'd let it go if he if it was everything was in comfortable range and everything was going along fine. But if we were down by half time or there needed to be a try to turn the game, he was quite often the bloke who would do it. And that would be with a pass or a step or a chip over top or to burst through a hole. And he he had good speed, yep, terrific speed for twenty meters or so. And um, then as Bozo would do, we'd look he'd look for a support play, and uh, that was always good. You knew that he both got through. You can get there quick because he will look. He captain coached here in '79. Then I think he coached in the early part of the '80s as a coach. What was he like as a coach? Um, it was good for me early uh, when I was I was still learning, and uh, certainly um, at the end of seven, at the end of '80, um, when we made the grand final, yep. and I was on the bench that day. Um, Bozo was ruthless, um, but in all interest, the best of the team, even though we were good friends off the field. It, uh, he needed to have David Michaels in there. He needed speed on the wing, and David Michaels could kiss a bullet. He was quick. Yeah. Um, and so David was there. That was the future of where Bozo was taking it because he introduced the three-day-a-week training sessions at yeah, right. midday on t- 3 o'clock, and that helped you get across the Harbour Bridge to get home yeah. without the traffic, of course. <laughs> but, but the Dunbar it, would have been open in the afternoon. Well, he didn't go there. Yeah. We did. <laughs> and uh, but that that was just a whole new change. It was uh, reinvented rugby league into a whole new era. And uh, he did that, and then as a player, and then as a player, co- coaching player, and then just as a coach. And then I'd finished up at the Roosters that year. Um, went to West for a year, yeah. and I'd I'd made up my mind that. I'd rather be a, a quick second rower than a slow winger, yeah. and because uh, I continued to grow for the first five or six years while I was down from the country, because I hadn't done any real sort of training up there. So um, I decided that I'd, I needed to be, if I was going to stay in the game for another four or five years, I needed to move to the forwards. Yeah. And uh, West gave me that opportunity, yeah. and uh, even though it was Roy brought me to West in the, uh, as a centre. We weren't going to make the finals uh, that year, and I asked him if I could play second row, and uh, he said, you'll have to go back to reserve grade. So I went to Laurie Fryer and said, mate, can I play? And I need to play in the forwards. Uh, so he let me, and we went through and won, won the reserve grade yep. final. And uh, Bozo watched it play because he knew what I was about and what I was trying to do, and uh, and then I came back here in 82, which was great, and that kicked off another five or six years for me. 
Funny enough, Laurie Fry ended up taking over after Bozo, is that right? He did, yeah. Um, he, uh, he was an unusual chap, Laurie, very, very um, focused on the game itself and um, very, very single-minded on it. But uh, every one of the coaches I've ever had were all different. Yeah. There's, um, they have certain traits that are the same, but they've got different personalities and different focus. And different. Jack was on pretty much all the time. Bozo was on most of the time. But Laurie was on 24-7. Sure, you spend a fair bit of time around the club and obviously being coached by some of the greats. Bob Fulton's up there when you when you hear from Manly players as, as a mentor and a mayor manager. Is yeah. that something must have probably developed throughout his coaching career? Yeah, I, I think so. Like, But all of the coaches develop as they go as well. You know, yeah. They're like players. They get better as they go. They learn more and they'll tell you themselves that there's still a lot they want to learn before they finish coaching. And uh, like I started off with Gibbo, who was um, more of a – psychologist I suppose in some respects and others um, to Beto who you would just follow to the end of the earth along broken grass, uh, glass and Bozo who I thought was probably one of the more strategic coaches um, he could pinpoint the opposition weakness and the video sessions where if you followed what Bozo said in the game you'd win 99% of the games Is that right? Um, because he could work out a game plan who was weak and who was strong and who what our strengths were and where, where our best players were and I thought that was probably the one of his greatest attributes for me. That's yep. how I saw it. Other players may have seen something different in him, but um, but he always expected you to be able to do that as well. Um, when you're a player like Bozo, who's such a natural, um, he can't see why well, you can't do that as well um, <laughs> because he sees things in you that you don't see. Yeah, like he saw things in Andrew Johns that. I'm not sure whether Andrew knew he could do, but um, he knew Andrew could do some incredible things and. And he sort of tutored him a little bit uh, about bringing that out of him. and But that's what a good coach does. Pretty sure there's an iconic photo of, I think you may be in it, George Daudry. There's a road run in Bozo. There's a couple of like legends of the game. I'm not sure if you're, and I think maybe he, out there. He would have needed a telephoto lens. Yeah, but there's, uh, <laughs> like, it's the old school with the, the singlet on tucked into the Speedos and going for a road run somewhere. I've got a feeling you might be in it, but it's a, it's an oh, iconic photo. I remember doing a few of those. I wasn't one of George's greatest students, of course. <laughs> right. But, um, so for those that don't know, George Daudry's <laughs> a legend of, of City Tats and a lot of lot of the first grade footballers to train with him. Yeah. Well, Bozo brought him in. That was a part of the new era of professionalism. And yeah. uh, George, I remember going into City Tats and doing down in that dungeon and doing those weights in there and out. And it would, on the weekends, we'd do our road runs in the preseason and and they were down through Cooper Park and up steps and carrying blokes and arms up in the air and all that stuff. Players now don't do it. I wish I was playing now because I like the way they train now. It's hard, but it's very very specific. Like I can't remember carrying a log on a football field for 100 <laughs> meters above my head. Having said that, uh, I've got a massive head on big <laughs> shoulders. Um, but they they more more in line with what they do on the field is the training. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a great um, uh, progress in the game that, um, that you do more specific training to the game. So what do you think of our bloke, the bloke out there walking around at the moment, Robbo? Well, I'm a closet fan, to be honest. I, I like what he's about. Um, he won't listen to this really, I hope. <laughs> he's <laughs> he, a big uh, fan. <laughs> I'm, he's, he's what the club needed for a while there. Where we, Clubs can tend to lose their way a little bit and uh, – I think he's got us back on the right track and where we want to be and where he wants this club to be and what he wants the club to be all about. 
some of the things that they've done the last few years, particularly with player concussions and the, the player care, has um, been second to none. It, um, and that comes from Robbo. The, the club is reflective of the coach, um, and I think that's a good thing when you've got a good coach. And uh, there's a lot about what he does and what he thinks and how he says it, and he maintains his cool without being a stick in the mud in the box yeah. <laughs> when the camera's flashed. Yeah. Um, you've got to have, measured, you've got to have some emotion, for heaven's yeah. sake. You've got to be human. But at the end of the day, it's got to be uh, controlled, and uh, he does that well, and, and the players respond to that. Jake Friend, obviously, um, at the game last week that you got a send-off that was well-deserved. There's a great uh, artwork of the team of the century, which you're a part of. I think when they look back at the next century, there's got to be a spot for Friendy. As a, as a hooker at the club, I mean, Elwin Waters comes to mind as, you know, probably one of the, the best hookers we've had. Um, where's Friendy sit? Um, Friendy sits in the new era. Um, right. Most certainly he's a... A warrior, you know, he um, he does a lot of work on the field that um, Robbo really likes and the players like, um, which is a little bit like Bunny. Bunny would do things on the field that no one really noticed, but it got done. Yeah. And someone said, who did that? Well, Bunny did that. Well, Friendy was that. He did that. You know, he does all that tight stuff. In the, No one breaks through the centre when Friendy's playing. And uh, if they do, it's because he just did four tackles in a row and uh, he's a little bit tight. But... That was what he brought to the team, and uh, and he's not a, a a noisy bloke. He's a quietly spoken but effective, and a lot of players enjoy playing with guys like that. You can't have too many of them because you need some talkers on the field, but um, you also need doers, and he was most certainly that. Finally, mate, we uh, got a game against the Raiders this week. Uh, they're looking a bit shell shocked at the moment, to be honest, under Coach Stewart. What do you think about this weekend's matchup? Oh, sticky. Um, they're having a bit of trouble with the Englishman. Yeah, yeah so, he's gone. Uh, <laughs> he's gone. They came in and and did some wondrous things for yeah. the Raiders, I've got to say. Um, he looked like he had a bit of a new wave of um, players coming through and being cold down there. They liked it, apparently. But um, things haven't gone their way this year. So, uh, look, he'll get them up eventually. They're they're not a bad side. Um, they'll most certainly, they just need to get together a bit and – we're a bit wounded off the field as, um, with suspensions and injuries and uh, it's the change in the game, I suppose. Um, they didn't play too differently to us in, in the way in relation to their aggression. So they've had to change their, their whole way of playing as well, and uh, which is what we're in the midst of doing. Um, so I think it'll be a good game. I'd like to think we'll win that. Um, we... We ran into a Brisbane side that needed a win more than they needed a lunch, and uh, that was always going to be tough last week. And without a player on the field for twenty minutes of um, one of our players, our ball players, that that, that made it a bit difficult. But uh, that was if that if that's one loss that we have that uh, means we missed the, uh, the grand final, we probably shouldn't have made it anyway. Yeah. But I think we I think we'll get the Raiders. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think it'll be a good challenge. And uh, look. Robbo's got the club in a position where we've got these young blokes coming through. Fletcher Baker and those guys are going to come through now and uh, and like Satility, uh, Satility sat on the bench for yeah. a couple of years, but now he's our, almost our number one back row picked. Um, their time comes and opportunities like this arise and if they step up to that and young Daniel Fafita, um, you know, the little guys like him who come up, play a couple of games and go back and then come up and maintain that. And we've got a few to come back as well. So Billy Smith's uh, yet to come back and a couple of others. So 
Well, just on that, as an old head, I mean, we asked Billy Smith this question up in the captain's class, up at the captain's club last week. As the playing group sensing a bit of a changing of the guard, like you can probably see it just in the in the area itself. Are you seeing that as well? Like, are you, or you're sensing that? There's obviously this whole new young brigade coming through, through probably you know injury, suspension, and, and so on and so forth. You, 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 we're starting to blood quite a fair few players, particularly well, in the next couple of weeks. And that's how it happens. We're lucky that um, the good work done in the recruitment area and maintained these blokes, and we've been able to keep them. At, Without them leaving, we've lost a couple who needed an opportunity to go. And like Matto went, he's been hasn't missed first grade since. And and um, Paul Momorowski hasn't hasn't stopped playing first grade and wherever whichever club he's at since he left. But guys like that who can't wait, they need to go. That's fine. Um, but they got their start through here. And the guys that have hung in, they will be our mainstay going forward. Because Jared's nearly as old as me, he knows that. <laughs> but you know, he's um, but he's our forward leader, and yes. uh, he's still doing a great job. And uh, you need those guys, but you need the young blokes coming through, and you need those guys there to help them come through. Um, there's um, like watching young Sam Williams come through. He's got a million things that he wants to do and learn before he calls himself um, the best five eight we've had for a long time. But the reality is if he kicks at it, keeps at it and keeps with our senior players around him, having Radley alongside him is a great thing for him. You know, he feels comfortable and uh, and Crichton on the other side of him. So he knows he can do what he wants to do without um, without getting punished too much because he's only a little yeah, fella. Yeah. And, um, but he's pretty wiry and uh, he'll get bigger and better and stronger with that playing all the time with these guys and and the, the training that he'll have a good off season this year, and uh, I'll be I'll be looking forward to watching him play next year. Well, sure, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I have to ask on behalf of all the fans, the uh, the foot mate, right. as the tango dancing going on. It, it's a Larry Kane you're getting around with, so yeah. uh, <laughs> I call it my mood stick. I've got about four of these, depending yeah. on how I feel. But uh, look, the the walking's not easy, um, uh, but I'm not getting too much pain, which is a good thing, and. Uh, Look, the reality is the, the alternative wasn't much good. I was never good at the hopscotch. <laughs> and uh, so I've avoided that. But having said that, I'm no, not river dancing next week either. Well, surely, mate. Best of luck with the recovery. And thanks for joining us on Roosters Radio. Good on you. Thank you. Welcome back to Roosters Radio. And Silky, we've got a game of footy on our hands this weekend against the Wounded Raiders. They'll be desperate for a win up there at Central Coast Stadium, and it's going to be a tough game. But something to celebrate, it is Indigenous Round. And we can celebrate the great contribution of all of our Indigenous players, and of course, in the spirit of the great man, the one and only Arthur Beetson from our own club. Yeah, that's exactly right, Bush. I uh, actually caught up with Arthur's son, Mark Beetson, at the game. And it also should be noted, Bush, the great work Angus Crichton is doing through his First People's Project. It's a passion project that he's been involved with for a number of years. And, uh, you know, hats off to him. If you do uh, want to log in and see what Angus is up to, it's an amazing organisation. It's called the thefirstpeopleproject.org. And, uh, you know, they make films, uh, you know, thousands of stories to be told through incredible people who have called Australia home for over 50,000 years. And they also help young Indigenous people, whether it be studious, 
athletic, music, just explore their craft and their talent and get them on the way to be able to achieve their goals. And I think it's an amazing thing that Angus is doing. He started it. He's a director of the project. And uh, what a great way to celebrate Indigenous round for the players. It's close to his heart and it's close to our heart at the Roosters. Yeah, look, 7.35 kickoff. The Wounded Raiders, uh, I don't know if anyone's caught Ricky's uh, presser from the weekend or 1 minute 58 of it, but uh, he was filthy with the Raiders' performance. So they're going to have to bounce back. I know Raiders do get up for their matches against uh, the Roosters. You know, you've only got to go back to last year when we took them on after the grand final and they give us a touch-up at the SCG. So uh, I'm sure he'll have their players chomping in the bit to, uh, you know, exact a bit of revenge for what we did for them back in 2019. Yeah, that's true. I think that grand final sort of uh, put them another level up in our bogey side. You know, Cronulla's our number one bogey side and the Raiders are up there with it. It's an awkward game at times. Um, but the game on the weekend, I mean, who knows what we're going to get this weekend. I think Forrest Gump said it best. It's like a box of chocolates at the moment. You don't know what you're going to get. And, you know, we look forward to a strong performance. I think our boys will bounce back, Silky. I think it's going to be a lot tighter. I think uh, these two sides look at each other as if it's a grand final every time they play. And I'm calling Roosters 20, Canberra 14. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tight game as well. I'm expecting a few of our players to bounce back. Look, Sammy Walker didn't have his best game there no. on Saturday night. I think he'll, uh, he'll take plenty out of that. We've been singing his praises each and every week. And, look, he's only 18, so uh, you've got to expect... Uh, to have a couple of slip-ups along the way. But I think he'll bounce back, to be honest. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if Josh Morris returns uh, and maybe there's a spot for young Sawali on, on the bench. Uh, and also, I want to see a bit more of Fletcher Baker coming on the field. So, I know, I mean, we're going to be without Victor. We may be without Angus. So there's going to be some opportunities to blood some more of this young talent. Egan Butcher comes to mind, of course. Yeah, I was so, just going to um, say Egan Butcher. So it's you know, he, he's almost there. He's... He's been in that 19th man position for the probably since the start of the year, but geez, he must be close. The good news is he's fit and ready to go and chomping at the bit. And a ball player like his brother, and a little bit more prolific in the ball playing department. So exciting to watch when he does make his debut. Yeah, well, uh, back to my score prediction, Bush. I will say Roosters 24, Raiders 12. Well, there you have it, fans. Head on up to Central Coast Stadium to watch the might of our Roosters take on the Canberra Raiders, and let's hope we get the win. Silky, that's all we've got time for on Roosters Radio this week. Valet Bob Fulton. Yeah, exactly right. And as we always say on Roosters Radio, East, East to win. win.